Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Oh, boy, do we have a show for you today, everybody. Hey, I'm Dr. Pat, and welcome to the show. My very special guest joining me here today is... Taria. Taria, the author of Unreasonable Joy. What? (laughs) What did I say? Taria, the author of Unreasonable Joy. I love this. Awakening through, and you're going to hear about this, Right. And I'm going to probably absolutely murder the pronunciation of this, but I call it Trikaya uh, Buddhism. And so what is it about this conversation that for those of us out in the world, we have discovered about this place in our hearts, this place of opening, this place that sometimes we cannot actually pinpoint. But there are moments that we look at ourselves and we think for a minute, oh, my goodness, that just feels like so much peace. But how do you get there? How do you get there? How did Taria get there? Um, how did all of that happen? Well, think about yourself as being who she is and teaching thousands of people. Think about sharing the experience of these nine lessons that explore through the power of meditation, mindfulness, karma, emotions, and humility. Think about humility for a moment. It is one of the cornerstones of so many programs, so many places, so many essences of spirituality. Even in what I teach in Street Smart Spirituality, humility is at the top. But yet, we can't define it. But we know it when we see it. So today, I'm so thrilled to be talking about this book, Unreasonable Joy. Why? Why is it unreasonable? And what is it that we're going to share today that can tap into an energy, is what I call it, that can tap into something, something that goes beyond what you're reading in the news, what you think if this election doesn't go your way, what you're thinking about whether or not you're going to move forward in your life in the direction you want. What if we were to say to you, those things are life circumstances, but they don't have to be your life, nor do the feelings and emotions. What if there was another way? So here's what I want to say, and I think Tree is probably going to laugh a little bit. What was it about my journey in Buddhism that got my attention? What was it? I mean, what would it take for me, this kid from the Bronx, to find something and think, I'm going to experiment with that. Tina Turner. Tina Turner. I got to say it. Tina Turner. Tina Turner. And that movie, Benny. You remember the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It, with uh, Angela Bassett? One of my favorites. Oh, my God. The movie. And when you get to the end of that movie, and you watch... One of the most horrific of horrific of life circumstances is nothing, I think, more horrific than abuse at any level for any person. And when you get to that place where you feel all is going to break down, what is it that shows up in your life that says you can experience it, but you don't have to become it? Tria, thank you for joining me here today. I know. Did I like totally destroy with the whole Tina Turner thing right there? <laughs> no, not at all. She is a huge inspiration. Um, and an unlikely. So, you know, the reason I bring her up is because I'm thinking about your book and your book title. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading your book and going through it and I thought to myself, yeah, there are a couple of people I can think of. Ram Das, one of them. Um, Tina Turner, another one who never, ever expected to have that level of joy in her life, but there she was. So let me ask you this question. And of course, we're going to talk about your book. We're going to go, we're going to have some fun. But I always think there's a story. There's a story behind every author. There's something behind this. 
Now, you either popped out and all of a sudden you were enlightened or you went through some of life's challenges yourself and had to find your way like the rest of us. Which was it? Well, I'm very ordinary, so yes. Um, I always knew about meditation, or even though I didn't know about meditation, I just knew as a kid, like if I sat and did nothing, I'd feel better. But it was just something I used when I felt bad. And it really wasn't until I was in college and actually met my teacher that I'd started a daily practice. And even then, you know, he was very into showing us how to live in the world. So a big component was making sure we could take care of ourselves. Um, so that involved some material success. And I did all that, had my dream job. I was flying from coast to coast as a computer consultant, making lots of money. And then my body collapsed. And I literally would... I was working at home so I could hide it for a long time, but I'd literally be sitting there working on my computer and I'd just slide out of my chair and onto the floor and couldn't get up for like an hour. And that's really when my practice went to a whole new level. Because when your body's screaming in pain and there's um, nothing you can do except for be with it. Totally. I've shared this story and that's why I knew there was something inside of you. There's no way that you and I are talking and doing the stuff we're doing and you're writing this book and I'm doing what I'm doing if we have not had something. So I want to ask you this question. I mean, I, I overcame a lot of things in my life and I've just recently started talking about them on here. Uh, everything from homeless to suicide by the mom, but nothing took me down. Then April 1st of 2004, six months after I said yes to this crazy idea of buying airtime. And by the way, I bought it on a digital network in 2003. So everybody wanted me to have my head examined. I mean, they knew there was that I was a little bit from another planet, but to buy, spend 10 grand on airtime and a digital network, they thought for sure I've lost it. But here's the thing I want to ask you about. What would get me to go to that place of unreasonable joy, stick to it, the minute I got behind a mic, it was like breathing, coming home. What would keep me there? What would demoralize doubt for me? What would step in and say, Korea, you are on your path. You have got a message. You've got to do this. And then the other part of you is like, no, dude, you're like an imposter. No, I'm not talking about you, like me. <laughs> The body, on April 1st of 2004, I'm given a workshop. By the end of the day, I am like you described. What did that event teach you? What did it call you to do? And how did it help you prepare yourself to help the world? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, well, they should have warned you about me. Well, like I said, I was at this place in my life where I literally had everything I wanted and I was on my way to, you know, solidifying all of that. There was really nothing else I wanted, but I still wasn't happy. And then, you know, life answers and says, okay, you're still not happy here. Let's just take everything away. And in those moments of just spinning out, going into the darkness, and because I already had, I was very fortunate because I already had that training. You know, I was already meditating every day, and there was even days when I couldn't get out of bed, and all I wanted to do was sleep, but the discipline of meditation would kick in. So I wouldn't be able to actually rest until I propped myself up a little bit and chanted for a few minutes. And then I could go back to sleep. So it really is this, um, this discipline that we develop and whether that's taking, you know, 10 seconds a day to start with, 
that's fine, but it's the daily practice that is what carries us through. It's that daily practice that um, comes back to us in our darkest moments. And this is what I love, and you're going to help us do this. Um, first of all, I, I want to thank Gail Tor for bringing you forward to talk with, with us about this. And also to really for you to take a message out. And many people don't know this, right? You know, this is a book that you're, you put your heart and soul into, not yesterday, right? No. <laughs> like months ago, maybe years ago. But it is a message for our time. It is the message for our time. And one of the things I want to do today is I want to share your vision, your message from the book. There's so much in here that we could talk about. But here's the thing that I would like to talk about, and, and I believe it is essential in Buddhism, but I'm, I am not the expert, right? I mean, I'm the kid that's homeless in New York City in 1968. At the time, you'll relate to this, right? And this is not Buddhism, but you relate to this. At the time, in New York City, in the village, right? Who was the group standing on every corner, dressed in white, chanting? Hare Krishna's. I know you're laughing, right? But think about me, homeless and dirty. And I'm like, and these people saw me. And they, I cannot remember the words. I'm telling you, I was a kid. I can't remember what they said to me. I don't know how they said it. But I ended up spending time with them. So my question to you is, in this practice of meditation and mindfulness, how can we all become awakened to what is being shown to us? How can we do that? Because honestly, I couldn't have planned standing on the same corner down in the West Village right before they showed up in a concert with a bunch of people in white that saw me dirty and handed me clothes. You can't plan this stuff. But Buddhism talks to something else. Can you share that? Well, it's so simple, but people like to make it really complicated. <laughs> you know, and, and we've watched this happen with Buddhism. You know, Buddha had a very simple message. He's like, you are awake. You already are enlightened. But we have all this mental conditioning that's in the way. We have all these societal structures that teach us that, no, you, sh you need to be this way. You need to have this to be happy. You need to be have um, these experiences to wake up. But what I've found and what countless other teachers have discovered is that enlightenment is just it's right here. It's not outside of us. It's not dependent upon anything because it just is. And to so, you know, so-called get there, <laughs> it's already here. Thank you. But I, by but the really way, all I'm still looking. I'm still looking, but I have moments. I have moments of unreasonable joy to know that it's there. But, exactly. But we don't know it's there, yeah? That's why what you've done in this book and the lessons in the book are to get us in the game, right? To realize that. Right. It's really, it's really to remember that. Yeah. You know, to realize that all you have to do is very simple, just stop, just stop thinking. And I gotta that's ask not you something, something that you book. can will and say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to step on you right there. Um, but think we've got a little delay. There's a chapter in the book that I read it like four times. <laughs> Sorry. Gail will tell you, sometimes it takes me a little bit to get it. But no, I that's, read that's how I write. Is I, I hope people will read it more than once because there's a lot in there. Because I read this book and I realized where I am in my life. And I realized that the call to help people has not gone away. 16 years ago when I started this, I didn't start, look, where are you? When I started this 16 years ago, I was depressed. I was lost. I had forgotten what a spiritual practice was like. You know, I had forgotten what I learned in 1968. 
I had the corporate job. I had the big money. I just finished a doctoral degree. I got all sorts of awards for writing about broken promises. Do you think I was depressed? 1,200 pages of interview notes. Gail actually wants me to write a book on broken promises. I opened up the notes the other day and I just cried. That's where I was and I dialed the wrong phone number and I decided I am okay. I've got the light. I'm just crusted over. Ta-da, crust busting, the little card. And on the back of it, I'm sorry. And on the back of it, and, and this is what I want you to help me with and all of us with. I wrote, my goal is to reach at least a million people this year and bust through the crust. This is what showed up. 10 years ago, the network was born in the same way. How does what you teach help people discover that which is already there? And one of the things I want to point to in the chapter I did reach a bunch of times, I have to say it's right at the beginning, semantics, Mm -hmm. obscuring truth. Can we talk? Can we talk about this? All right, (laughs) go for it. Well, in our culture, in American culture, there's no concept for enlightenment. We, we, it's not even on the radar. So what we have to do is use words and terms that are familiar in order to bridge that gap. And so that was such an important chapter because I know a long time ago, whenever I heard the word God, my eyes would just glaze over and be like, yeah, that's all, you know, just people pretending but as i developed as i really you know started seeking um, that definition of god just became so much broader it just became so much bigger let's talk about god in the 21st century if we could um in 1930, oh my gosh, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's about 1932, a group of people decided they were going to do something about addiction in this world, and they started in a little teeny town, and they went through agonizing over one of the best-selling books of all time, and writing it, and putting it to paper, and coming up with guidelines, and making sacrifices, and one of the hardest things for them to do at that time, harder than even now, now we're like more open, but was to write something that would be for all people. Now that program is duplicated in just about every form of addiction. If you're addicted to your Netflix, then boom, it's for you. And what they said was they coined a phrase. I want to ask you about this because this, I think, is one of the greatest misconceptions we have in how to reach that point of joy. We think it has to be a certain way. And they came out and said, yes, you have to be in a place of turning your life over to something, but not giving your life up. And it can be the God of your understanding. Today, when you hear that, people are like, oh, yeah, but 1930, 33, you'd have been laughed out. Tell us about this pathway and the conversation of God, because you and I have the same reaction. I mean... I'm not there anymore, but I will tell you, right, that it has been a rough road, but I'm not there anymore. How did you get from that rough road to where you are today? Through a lot of self-honesty. Oh, I knew it. I knew. I knew it. I knew you were going to go there. Thank you. That's why I'm so thrilled. Tell me about that, what it means to you, because I don't know how to talk about it in the way you write about it. But I think that that message from you, gosh, it is the important one for our time. What do you think? Oh, definitely. Because we are, we live in this world where we're encouraged to constantly be lying about everything. We have our social media posts where we only show, you know, our best selves or what we think other people would think of us as our best selves. Um, And then just all day long, we're confronted by these little, we just call them little white lies. And it just builds these layers and layers and layers of confusion. But when we sit on meditation and allow ourselves, you know, to focus on that one point, become still 
and then once we're kind of have that distance all the the floodgates open right all the habitual thoughts start coming through us start pouring through us and the tendency of course is to run away <laughs> no kidding and yeah. run away can we talk about it for a minute and define mm -hmm. it so as people listening may think well i didn't run anywhere but running away also means numbing like a different kind of flight right yes. it's how much alcohol can i drink by the way i'll say it again 600 and as of today online sales of alcohol are sick up 625 percent just saying but that is also a runaway aspect of it right engaging in work you know just 24 7. um right i mean isn't that sort of what you're talking about as well you don't have oh, to physically run away Oh, exactly. We just go into this complete denial of what we're seeing. We create um, reasons for it. We create excuses. And we kind of create this pretend world that we live in. Because if we were to actually stop and look at all the places where we're horrible to ourselves, where we're horrible to other people, it's heartbreaking. And this magical thing happens though when we actually sit with it and look at it it's we we change we realize what we're doing and we say oh wait a minute i don't need to beat myself up constantly mm -hmm. i don't need to snap and lash out at other people there is this um, gentleness that i can cultivate and i can live from that I want to talk to you about this when we come back from break, but I want to start the conversation now. Um, there's so much you share about your journey, and I so appreciate that. I mean, one of the things that I held back for about 10 years or longer was not talking about my journey. You know, I've been called everything from polyander patty, patty to pistol pack and patty to uh, the network being called the Disney of podcasting to being called, you know, positive talk on steroids. I mean, I could go on. And one day one of our listeners asked me the question I asked you, hey, Pat, did you pop out like that? <laughs> or did you have to bake a little longer? And my answer is similar to yours. So I want to ask you this question about how do we help others today demystify, just demystify all of the thoughts we have about how to step into that world of enlightenment through practice, whether it's meditation. Today, when we come back, I want you to walk us through what you've created. Because so long as we have the mystery that says, that's for those people, I am not there. I will never be enlightened. I'm just a regular person raising a bunch of kids, teaching them from home right now. My mom's got COVID. My dad's got COVID. Are they talking to me? When we come back, I would love for you to talk to the best listeners on the planet in that way. Before we go, how do we get a copy of the book? And how do we find out more about you? Well, the book is on Amazon right now. Now, of course, it's Mercury Retrograde, so the paperback is supposed to be available, but it's not quite there yet. <laughs> so keep checking if you want the paperback, but the Kindle is available on Amazon. It should be showing up at other bookstores soon as well. But again, you know, Mercury Retrograde um, is happening. And you can find out more about me on my website, tureabliss.com. Or if you want to actually sit with me in meditation, you can go to dharmacenter.com and sit with me and the other teachers. All of the above. Hey, look, just saying, Top Gun 2 was supposed to be in movie theaters too. We're all having to adjust. You know what my mom, my mama used to say? Oh, honey, you know what? If you wait for it, man, it's worth the wait. Those things come to those that wait. My mom was from the South. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about unreasonable joy in a way that allows you to take a step. And this is today, to me, this is the key to that chaos you are feeling, that place of unknowing you are feeling. We'll be right back.
Hi, everyone. I'm the host of Nothing But Now, Mindful Living with Dr. Mary Angela McGuire on Transformation Talk Radio. I share ideas, insights, and tools you can use to release yourself from fearful and negative thinking and live from a place of clarity and confidence. Please join me in each show where we challenge ourselves to change together. Please go to my website, mcguirelifecoach.com. That's mcguirelifecoach.com. See you next time. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. A word of caution. If you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I am so thrilled about today's lineup. First of all, we're talking about unreasonable joy, and you're going to hear why. And we're going to be, I'm going to just turn the reins right over to my featured guest today, who's going to walk us through what I think is one of the most important approaches to joy that I have read about in a long time. And the reason I'm saying that is because it is broken down into these lessons that you can do yourself or you can get someone else involved in. And we're going to hear about that. Look, before we do that, can you just, again, remind people how they get the book, how they find about you and about the Dharma Center? Sure. The book is on Amazon. Uh, The Kindle version is available right now. The paperback should be, but it's coming soon. And you can find out more about me at turiabliss.com, or if you want to sit with me in meditation, just go to dharmacenter.com, and that's our little center. We're doing all online classes, so it doesn't matter where you're at. You can come join us. No matter us. where you're at, there you are. And I want to spell Turiya for people, if you don't mind. Sure, it's T-U-R-I-Y-A. So I'm going to start out with a question, and then you take over. Okay. I get asked a lot about when am I going to quit? I get asked, Pat, you've done everything. You have a network that you can turn over to a bunch of people. My gosh, you're still doing 10 hours of Dr. Pat show and you're launching two new shows. One is Power Up Again and the other one is with Mark Anthony called The Psychic and the Doc. And I'm the doc. It starts Thursday at 4 p.m. on Transformation Talk Radio. And my friend's looking at me like, what the heck is going on with you? And I don't know how to explain how I hear 
what I'm called to do. I don't question it anymore because I do not want to get sick again. You have laid out these beautiful lessons to help people get there. Take us on that journey, please. And I know you're going to read something also later. So I think the, the first thing I want people to understand is something they already know, and that is unreasonable joy. If you think about it, every time that you are upset, angry, off balance, uh, not feeling well, if you look at that, there's a reason. There's always a reason when we're unhappy. But when we just feel joy, when we're just walking around, maybe we just woke up and we just feel happy. We're walking down the street, all of a sudden we feel happy. There doesn't have to be a reason for joy. And real joy, there is no reason. It just is there and it's always here. So that's the really the first thing to understand. Now, we get so busy in life. We're just going, going, going. We have all these uh, ideas and um, goals that might not even be have been our idea. Somebody else might have told us this would be something important to do. So we go rush and do that. And so we're rushing, rushing, rushing. So the really the first step is to just get yourself to stop, to meditate. And that might look like just taking a few breaths for one person. Somebody else, you know, it might be a very formal practice where we light the incense and we set up the cushion and then we put on some music and we sit. Um, so whatever your practice is, just get yourself to physically stop even if it's for just a minute a day. And after you kind of have that sensation, you'll key into it, you'll, you'll know that, oh wait, there's something happens here. And then the trick is to get yourself to practice it, to get yourself to do it every day. Now, when people start this daily practice, um, that's when things start to go a little haywire. That's when it's really helpful to have a teacher to kind of connect to, to have a group, to have somebody else to check in with and say, hey, every time I sit down and, and meditate, I burst out crying. I, or my thoughts just run away from me. So at that point, we start to really learn about control. We learn that Wherever we focus the mind, that's what we're going to experience. That's the filter that's going to be created for our experience. And this focusing of the mind, that's the only place we really have control. You know, we can't even control our own body sometimes. But no matter what is going on, we choose where we focus. Now that kind of introduces us into the next lesson, which is karma, yeah. which is yeah. planting those seeds. Yeah. I think karma, and, I, and let's address this. I think karma is very close to meditation as being one of the mo most, shall I say, misunderstood or misdefined. Um, and I, I found it interesting as I, as I read the book, I found it interesting you know, to see it right there. So what is the importance of it? And how does it, which link is it and all the links that get connected here? What is the essence of karma in this journey? Well, karma is our habitual patterns. So it's, and karma is just a, a fancy word that really means action. But we have all these um, patterns that we act out of habit. And it's not just our own mental habits that are happening within us. It's at a societal level. It's at a group level of people that are close to us and at a whole world level. So there's all these um, movements happening, all these causes and conditions that have been unleashed 
and then here we are in the middle of it all. Mm-hmm. So we can't control all the waves that have already been unleashed. This is all just coming and crashing at us from all these different directions. But what we can control is we can plant seeds. So we can focus our mind on beauty, on gratitude, on compassion. And that creates a different type of wave, a different type of action. Um, So starting to understand how karma works can be very liberating yeah because you know people who misunderstand it and they they think of it as something outside of them that oh it's just you know i'm having a bad day because it's my karma (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's just you know it's that over there there's nothing i can do but really there's (laughs) you know it's it's ridiculous but you can take responsibility but then people go the other extreme right and they say oh my goodness it's all my fault and I'm just such a horrible person I have such horrible karma and that might be true maybe you do have horrible karma but from this moment right now you can change it you can plant a seed that will create a different wave that will help support your awakening that will help you to remember who you are. And I see, I think that is really the critical part of this. And one of the absolute misunderstandings, right? Because we watch a lot of pop culture movies, we watch a lot of things that say, Oh, boy, there's no way out. And you know, what you're talking about is an interconnection of outcomes from practice, that will get people from where they are to really where they want to go on the inside out. And, you know, looking at this and looking at karma and the way you describe it, right, I think it's critical to hope. What I mean by that is if you have the other view of karma that you described, then you're at a place where you not just feel hopeless, but you might feel helpless. And, you know, when you move from that, then we can then move forward to really looking at lesson five, And I was so fascinated by what you call this, right? You didn't call it this or that. You just said feel. Boy, I'm telling you, this is one of those lessons that we have been almost in this country ingrained into believing feelings don't matter, right? When you go to work, you go to your corporate job, leave your feelings and your personal life at the door. What is the damage that that does? And... And how was it that this particular lesson, you know, became that thing that gives people permission? Well, that's it exactly, is we're just trained to try and shut off, just to turn off. You know, because I was writing an article the other day, and I actually invented a word <laughs> called stuffering. because this is what we do right is we um and i see it among a lot of spiritual people it's you know it's become overly positive we just like pretend that you know we're all bubbly and happy and nothing's wrong and i just only feel sunshine and rainbows and anything that's negative or unpleasant we just kind of stuff it down or stifle it and we're suffering, we're feeling all of that suffering, but yet we have this fake smile plastered on our face. And if you just engage in this type kind of suffering, you just stop growing and it becomes almost cancerous where mm-hmm. it just eats you up inside. And it becomes, I think, even more and more difficult to, to face. But once you do, you know, it, it's, it's hard. I won't, you know, mince words. It's very <laughs> challenging to go through this. And again, that's why having a spiritual community is so helpful. Um, because as you process all of these feelings, they become so much more intense and not just the bad ones, the good ones do too. And suddenly when you actually are 
feeling love for somebody mm-hmm. it's so much bigger and so much richer so it's it's worth going through the feel <laughs> it's worth going through the feel one of the things that i i want to point to before we move to um the next thing is part of this is and i gotta tell you when i read this uh, i did a double take because it explained a lot for me it explained why on one day my body was well and the next wasn't um and it's the questions you ask this there's something here where you talk about opposition is opportunity and i wanted to hear it from you tell folks about that because we are right in the midst of opposition beyond anything that we can I think humanly describe, but we feel. And you ask us questions about one of my favorite and least favorite words. And it's not fear, it's doubt. Well, exactly. When we're going along in our project, we're gonna do whatever we're gonna do. And we hit that opposition. It's a lot of people just see that as a very negative thing. And they just like, oh, no, I'm hitting opposition. I'm just not going to do it. This is resistance. <laughs> and they just collapse, you know, unless you're being driven. Sometimes we're being driven. And then even in that, we, we fight the opposition. But really, opposition is this wonderful opportunity to simply ask these different questions of, is this really what I want to do? is this really how I want to do it? And by taking that time to investigate and ask yourself those questions, the doubt um, gets drained away. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think we get to learn as we kind of roll along is how these things show up. But isn't there something else that you're doing in this book? It's not just about these things that are showing up. What you're doing is you're creating a pathway for us to get to that place, right? And thank you for saving humility to the eighth lesson. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that. But you, you're, you're taking us through this place where we can then really look at energetic structures. Um, and so, you know, for me, one of the things I looked at as I went through the book again was really looking and asking myself, who am I? You know, where do I fit in this? And then I was hit with the tools for the empath. And I just wanna take a moment, if you would, there's a poem, I call it a poem that you've written right before that. Would you mind reading that for us? Oh, sure, you're talking about the swallowed by anger. That one. Yeah, so yeah. This, is, this goes down the feels chapter. So it's not too long, but I'll read it. Yes, please. So, swallowed by anger. When we are angry with someone and we have done everything we can to resolve the situation and we are still angry, it means we're angry at ourselves. If we dig deep enough, we will find the anger we are pointing at ourselves. Once we find it, we can forget the other person and forgive ourselves. Once we forgive ourselves, we can stop beating ourselves up with each mental replay of the situation. Instead, we can learn from the experience and live in the blissful peace of the now. You know, I I was struck by the fact that as I'm thinking about this and I'm reading your book, that there's a bridge and a gateway. And I would love for you to show us that bridge and gateway to move from this to that place that will give us that point of joy that I mentioned early on and that sometimes it's, you can't describe it. Take us from this spot to what comes next. I'd love to hear the journey that you have and the lessons we can share with people, things they could do now and take away with them. Well, for me, it always comes back to practice, Mm -hmm. just carving out that time to sit and investigate your own mind. And that's what Buddhism really is. It's a study of the mind. Um, In 
modern culture, you know, people have turned it into a lot of different things. But if we strip away everything and just look at naked Buddhism, it's about studying the mind and knowing what is there. And when we have different realizations, which will come naturally, um, then we have to sit with them and let them stabilize. We have to investigate and say, um, like I had one when I was looking at the Four Noble Truths in terms of chronic pain. Mm. You know, that's, that's one of the chapters that I talk about um, just sitting with pain, you discover that it's transient. It doesn't stay exactly the same, it's impermanent. And just going through these different realizations and sitting with them and what we wind up discovering is that there's more. Mm -hmm. There's always more. And that I think is where people really get hung up on the path is they think it's gonna end. <laughs> they think that, that, okay, as soon as I reach this point, then I can just let go and I don't have to be um, practicing anymore. I don't have to be mindful anymore. I'm going to be done. I will be mindful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be awake and I'm done. And yes and no. I mean, there is a definite point where the concept of self falls away. There is a definite shift that is irreversible that happens but even then the path doesn't end it starts over <laughs> we're <laughs> back at the beginning um, but it all looks different so there's so much wonderful stuff in the book as you said and I think it's really important um, to give yourself the time to just experiment and explore and find out what works for you. Maybe you go through one exercise and you'd be like, meh, <laughs> and then the <laughs> next page you turn and you're and you're just like, oh, wow, yes, that's exactly what I need to do. So, And, you know, that's why we're talking about this today, because one of the things that you've done is you've laid this out in a way that people can start where they start. And and not only are you telling us about why this particular lesson is important, um, but you get us to the place. And I remember this line from the lesson on control, where you say, congratulations, you've proven to yourself that a mindset can be changed. And that really stuck with me. And congratulations, you've proven to yourself that a mindset can be, can be changed. And, you know, one of my favorites, one of my greatest teachers, never met him, wished I would have interviewed him, was Viktor Frankl. And as much as he talked about this, he didn't give us a blueprint the way you've done. And what you're giving us permission to do is start on a pathway and find out what works for us on any given day. And of course, you are you are that person that demonstrates, you're the poster child for how to overcome obstacles. I wanna thank you for this. I wanna ask you a couple of things. Um, one, please give out your website and tell people how to get a copy of the book. And then what do you believe is the most important aspect of this body of work for us today? So you can get the book on Amazon. You can go to my website to reuplist.com um, or to dharmacenter.com. And let's see, the most important thing, I just really want people to connect with their own joy. You know, that's why I titled the book Unreasonable Joy, because I really wanted people to understand that you don't need a reason to be happy. It's already there wherever you are, whatever circumstances you're facing. And I also want to point out when we are happy and we allow ourselves to be happy, we're better at everything. You know, any challenges that we have to face, you know, going into embracing that unreasonable joy doesn't mean the problems all magically disappear. But what it does is it gives you a much higher view and it gives you the energy and the strength to deal with whatever it is that you have to face. 
You know, I want to thank you for today. Um, I want to thank you for writing the book, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Um, if you could just speak for a moment about the Dharma Center. Can you just speak for a moment about the message you gave earlier about if you want to join, if you want to, if you don't want to do this alone, can you tell folks a little bit about that? Certainly there's a lot on your website, but this is a time to come together and just talk about how you've created that. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, again, it's dharmacenter.com. We've, uh, we started in 1998 when most people didn't know what meditation was. Um, right now we've got a bunch of different teachers. So we have different classes at different times. It's all online. And the some really exciting news is we've been talking about this project for years and years, which we finally launched is our members portal, where if you become a member, you'll get access to past Dharma talks. So you can actually log in and you have this whole archive of past classes that I recorded. Um, and then you can actually take a class at your own leisure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm telling you, or better said, like when you really need it, you're, when you're thinking, I am yes. not solving this problem at the level the problem was created, let me go over here and connect. Um, again, that is dharmacenter.com, is that correct? I don't want to get exactly. out the wrong thing here. Yes. I want to thank you for today, and I want to thank you for stepping forward. And if people read this book, they'll see that this is your heart and your soul that you have put everything that you've experienced into this to help people all over the world know that there is a pathway to joy and it is available to them. So I want to thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for having me. Everybody, we're going to hop off here and we've got another hour coming up. Please check it out. The book is Unreasonable Joy. When you read it, you will know why. <laughs>